Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. Let's do that again. Not quite my tempo. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. <laughs> I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we are talking about the 2014 movie Whiplash. Uh, this is a film that Devin picked out that I've had on the list for a long time now. Uh, but he beat me to it, so it's his pick now. All right, well, let's get into the show. Um, let's start off with uh, what we watched. Uh, this past weekend was the the Emmy Awards. Uh, the Television Academy of Arts and Sciences gave away their awards this weekend. Uh, and I watched it because I wanted Ted Lasso to win. And Ted Lasso did pretty good. But okay. uh, there's there's something that I need to tell you guys that happened at the these Emmys that w- that stole the show for me, and if this person's not hosting for the rest of their lives, then something is wrong with the Emmys. Um, so Conan O'Brien was there, okay. and nice. He, he was nominated for best uh, talk or variety show. Sure. Lost to lost to John Oliver. Oh, good. John Oliver got up and was like I, I like everyone else here. I I was kind of rooting for Conan because thirty years of comedy. Like Conan just ended his talk show. Yeah. Um, Conan O'Brien went into the Emmys not giving two shits about anything. Nice. Uh, when the, when the president of the of the academy came out, Conan O'Brien stood up and just started saluting him to the point <laughs> where everyone in the audience stood up and like joined him. What? Yeah. Uh, like, he was cheering him off to the side, and the guy's like, thanks, Conan. Um, <laughs> like, he just did not care at all. Uh, wow. And then when uh, Colbert Show won for their election special, Conan mm. O'Brien jumped up out of his chair and went up on stage with the Colbert writers and Stephen Colbert just cheering, like, yeah! Like, he just did not care. He was just so happy to be there. He did nice. not care at all i don't know if it was something because of like the norm mcdonald thing last week or what got into him but it wasn't like a conan o'brien that i've seen but i want to live the rest of my life not caring just like conan o'brien like just living in the moment not giving a crap about what anyone else uh thinks about what i'm doing like conan is i want conan o'brien to be my spirit animal I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't have quite have the pompadour yet, but... Uh, I'm hoping you're growing out. I'm hoping that's what this is. Yep. Well, Halloween's coming up, so... <laughs> I, um, I love that. Is he doing anything after his show ends? He, he, ha- he, is? he has an... He's going to be doing specials on HBO Max. Okay. And he's, and he's going to keep doing his podcast. Uh, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. It's a good podcast. So, it is a, it's a great podcast. Um, yeah. I don't think he had Norm MacDonald on. But if he did, I would definitely go back and listen to that one. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It really is. Uh, Devin, how about you? Did you watch anything? I watched a lot of documentaries, the only one of which I actually want to talk about. Uh, and the documentary I want to talk about was Monty Python's Almost the Truth, The Lawyer's Cut. Uh, which is there like it's it's on Netflix over here. I have no idea if it's made it over there yet. Uh, I found it completely by happenstance because I was like, I want to watch something. I don't know what I'm in the mood for. And it was it's it just chronicles the history of, of Monty Python and, and the movies and the shows and how they met and how they got started. And it's wonderful. It's really good and really insightful. It um, has really great like people talking about it, like the Stephen Merchant uh, who shows up, Russell Brand, Dan Aykroyd, like a lot of like really great comedians talking about like how Monty Python like affected them and what their favorite sketches were. And it made me want, like after I watched the documentary, I went back and like rewatched some old episodes of Flying Circus just because like I forgot how like wonderful and subversive and like genuinely smart some of the sketches were beyond just the whole like <laughs> ministry of silly walks <laughs> like some of their other stuff is so clever and like yeah ah, i love it i love it yeah i i i love watching the flying circus every now and then um mm-hmm. my my two favorite sketches I, I like to go to is the funniest joke in the world where they use the funniest joke translated into german to like win world war Two. um <laughs> 
and the one with the I don't think it's a ministry, but a guy goes in to pay to have an argument and he ends up going into like the first one where it's like abuse. Like, yeah, I love the word play and just poking fun at like even the English language, the way they see it over there. Like, I love yeah. that humor and that's what they're best at. Do you have a favorite sketch of theirs, Ryan or Alan? Um, I like the Lumberjack song. The Lumberjack song's great. Oh, I didn't great. know. I knew the Lumberjack song insularly as the song. I didn't know it was part of a much longer sketch where, like, someone's trying to get out of cutting someone's hair while that person's sitting down to get their hair cut. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I love that. I didn't know that either. Um, I Monty Python is one of those things I'm not huge into, and I haven't seen everything. I've seen Holy Grail, and I've seen Spam a lot. I haven't really I'm seen. Very much jealous. Else. You've seen Spam a lot, by the way. I still haven't. Yeah. I saw Spam a lot on our high school's dime. Ah, oh, that's so cool. Nope, yeah. definitely not me. Yeah, I... that was the. That was the year, before, year after you graduated. Oh, that makes sense. They did all the. We when my class got the opportunity to do it, we were gonna go see Mamma Mia, and I'm not an ABBA fan, so I was like, I'll pass. <laughs> you know, it's funny you brought up ABBA because I have a. I have a weird ABBA story to tell you, and I hope he doesn't care that I'm telling this on this, on the podcast. So the other week I was driving home on the highway and I got the urge to just listen to ABBA. I was like, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm in like an ABBA kind of mood. So I put on ABBA on my phone. The next day, my brother and I are going to see Mm Shang-Chi and he has me go through his phone to find music. And he's like, don't judge me. I was on an ABBA kick last night and was just jamming out to ABBA on the way home. I'm like, what the hell? I did the same thing. And we were both like freaked out. Like, why did this happen to both of us? Um, So that's something that actually happened and is a completely true story. Because we were both like, this is weird. That's um, that's wonderful. You guys know the ABBA news, right? That they're going, they're releasing a new album. They, they're releasing a new album and they're going back on tour as holograms. Mm-hmm. And they're like setting up like a special dome in London just for their holograms. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> Alan's not, or Ryan's not sold. I'm doing it. I'm going. Led Zeppelin in their prime as holograms. Mm-hmm. That would be cool because I know the music won't get screwed up because they're playing it straight off the album. <laughs> right. Um, but I wouldn't pay a normal ticket price for that. Like they better be discounted tickets. They're, you know what I looked, mean? Yeah. They're sold out several months uh, in advance already. Cause we looked for tickets. Yeah. Uh, they are recordings of their voices, but there is a live band backing them. So there is an aspect of live to it, but it's still like the holograms are recorded and the timing for everything has to be perfect or it all messes up. Okay, so the closest thing I have to that is my mom took me when I was 14 to go see the Beach Boys at Music Fest in Bethlehem. Oh. One Beach Boy. <laughs> the rest of Beach it. Boy. Yeah, and then. And it was John Stamos. <laughs> He was there with them, with yes. him. John Stamos was the celebrity guest that was playing there. That's cool. He, with he always he plays with the Beach Boys a lot. Oh, okay. I didn't real. I I didn't know how. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, Alan made a joke, but yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> like, no, no, he he's an honorary Beach Boy. Yeah, I wow. didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's all right. what I watched. All of that. Ryan Ryan went to a baseball game, so he didn't watch anything. Yeah, I mean, on the guy in front of me was watching a lot of football games. That was actually kind of funny. Like the guy sitting like two rows in front of me, which which there wasn't anybody sitting directly in front of. I feel like Major League Baseball has to have some rule or clause against that. No, but uh, it, it was fun. Which, which game was it? Oh, uh, we went. 
Yeah, we went to go see the Washington Nationals play the uh, Colorado Rockies on Sunday. Um, oh. Which, I mean, it was a day game, so it was nice because the, the sun was at an angle where almost all of the seats were in the shade. And it was like 72 degrees out the whole game. It was perfect. <laughs> it sounds great. I I watched the Penn State whiteout game from home on Saturday. And Penn State won. And it was awesome. Did you at least like um, day drink slash tailgate in your parking lot before it? I did not. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. I just realized the poster that I pulled for this is in French. Uh, <laughs> Uh, oh well, it's just the reviews anyway. So yeah. we're we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Whiplash, which is Devin's pick for t- this week's movie. Um, Love that. So I'm going to let Devin take point now while I uh, I get over the embarrassment of pulling a French poster. Bonjour. That's all I got for French, by the way. Bonjour. Uh, so today's Croissant. movie is uh, the 2014 movie Whiplash. It's directed by Damien Chazelle. And stars Miles Teller, J.K. Simmons, and Superwoman. I didn't know Melissa, that. Melissa Benoist, yep. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was her until like someone pointed out that it was her. Uh, two two years before she's Super Super Supergirl. Oh wow. See, I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, it's Supergirl, not woman? Yeah, no. Mm, oh, there's a, sorry about there that. There was a whole thing about that when that the first trailer for that show came out. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, because do you remember back when Age of Ultron came out, Scarlett Johansson did a Black Widow movie SNL comedy yes, trailer? Yes, yes. The first trailer for Supergirl made the show look like it was that Black Widow movie. <laughs> and then, like, in the first episode, they, like, um, Cat Grant played by, um, oh, Allie McBeal, what's her name? Hmm. Um, Calissa Flockhart has this whole speech about why it's okay to be a girl and like, like a whole big speech, like justifying the, the term Supergirl, oh. which, which, which was good in context. I'm not doing it justice, but they like, yeah. So I don't know if there, I don't know if there is a Superwoman. I, I was waiting for it to be like, Superwoman's my mother. I'm Supergirl. And then she like throws her ponytail back or something. Guess not. No. Nah. Uh, But anyway, so this movie essentially is about a struggling jazz musician who runs into a, I'm going to call him harsh, uh, very lightly, uh, director or jazz instructor. uh, And he, chaos ensues is basically what happens. Um, That is not doing the movie justice. I want to get into a lot of the beats of this. I picked this specifically because there's a part of the movie that I really wanted to talk about with anyone since I saw it. I saw this movie along with Stardust and I forget another it's a comedy movie on a plane ride from uh, the UK to America, became obsessed with each one of the three movies, even though I can't remember one of their names, <laughs> and have not stopped bugging Romana to watch these three movies so we can freaking talk about them. So I have someone to talk about these movies with. And, hey, I have a podcast and can hold you two captives. So I'm going to talk about this stupid movie with somebody now. <laughs> so, Alan, I think you've seen the movie already before, right? Yes, I have seen the movie before. Uh, I saw this back when it came out on DVD right before the Oscars. Um, so I, I watched it back in, like, twenty four, late 2014, early 2015, mm-hmm. uh, and was just amazed at J.K. Simmons' performance. Uh, he's so off the wall, uh, crazy in this. Um, and he's such a great character actor that it was really good to see him in the spotlight for once, like as a lead. Um, I have a lot of thoughts revisiting this. I've listened to the soundtrack a lot. I have it on my, on my playlist. So it comes through like randomly, uh, whiplash came on, like the song whiplash came on my on my way home from work today, so. Oh, that's cool. It's meant yeah. to be. Um, and then I have a kind of personal connection to this movie that I'll get into later. Um, Good. Good. Were yeah. you, it does, does it involve Mr. B? Certain Mr. B? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it involves a different Mr. B. 
not the oh, one that you and I had. So the joke on the on the podcast for the longest time has been Devin and I are going to get our high school band director on to talk about a movie, and it, this was going to be it. Because <laughs> uh, every time I tell him we want to have you on the show and we're going to do Whiplash, he gives me like a look and. I, like we we he he picked another film and we're gonna try to have him on here soon, um, but oh, that was cool. the, that I was didn't know he actually was picked the, another one. Oh yeah, he picked another one, oh, and I cool. I'm, re- I'm really excited to talk about this one because it's one I haven't seen, um, but it's right up our alleys. No, I have a, a a weird connection to this movie that we'll talk about later. Good. Uh, so Ryan, this was your first time seeing the movie, I think. Yep. So give me give me thoughts, give me emotions, give me feelings. I want to know. I want to know all of it. Okay. Um, I saw the trailer before I actually watched it, and mm-hmm. I thought I was going to hate this movie. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is great. I wish I was a musician so I could appreciate this more. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much where I landed on it. Um, yeah. It was really cool to see the guy, uh, was it Simmons? Yeah. yeah, it was really cool to see him play the character that he plays in this. Um, I do have my own thoughts and beliefs on music teaching, even though the only music experience I have is playing the violin in fifth grade and being an orchestra in sixth grade. Um, okay. But I have my own thoughts on, like, artistic, like, teaching of the arts, mm-hmm. per se, because I was an art student, but more like graphic design and drawing. So it's different, you know, different medium, but I still have my own beliefs about the way you teach art. And I feel like this is going to be a great discussion. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, let, let me touch on a bit of that then, because one of the things I that kind of drew me to this movie was the response that I keep seeing online to the movie. And it's either this is a great movie, this is interesting, or J.K. Simmons is a cartoonish Bond villain masquerading as a as a you know jazz instructor and nobody in the world acts like this it's almost laughable how mean he is did you guys get that impression from him what did you think ryan you go first because i i have a lot to say about that okay. <laughs> well um i did find the freakouts entertaining i did laugh through parts of it because i couldn't believe i couldn't believe some of the things that was coming out of his mouth <laughs> um yeah but and this is where i wish i was more of a musician and trained musician to better appreciate this mm-hmm. um is because yes you sometimes people need to be pushed in that manner there's a reason why the military has boot camp set up the way that they do um Mm -hmm. and it's to push people beyond their limits that they think is possible some people need that kind of push but then other people when they get that kind of push they will turn their back and they'll walk away so it's really hit or miss on whether or not you as a student line up with a teacher correctly and i feel like this is one of those times where kind of bury where i'm going with this this is one of the few times where an extreme teaching method lines up with the right student okay i can yeah i let me put a a baby pin in that and then we'll talk about that a little bit later because that's something Mm -hmm. that i really want to get into then yeah alan what are your thoughts okay so i come into this movie knowing that it's based on true true events Uh uh-huh um the my connection to this, <clears throat> mm-hmm. not getting choked up. I just got a weird frog in my throat at that time. Um, it's me. I was the guy. Yeah. Uh, the the band director that this is based on was the director at the school my uncle currently teaches at in that wow. position. He's the one who directs the studio band for that school now. Wow. Um, so back when this film came out, Damien Chazelle is, a, I believe, an alumni of this school. I'm not going to say what school it is uh, mm. just because. Um, but they were they would do screenings. They had him. Come, they had like uh, concerts and screenings and Q&A's at the school for this film when it came out. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of exaggeration in this. But having been in the the high school band just high school band um 
with directors who took their job seriously. Like they are like Devin and I were in high school band together mm-hmm. and I, I, I will go out and say the, the, our directors were some of the best teachers we had. I, yeah. at least I had, um, and they were fun to be around, but they meant business when it came to the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to this extreme. Uh, there would be times when we got yelled at because we were being dicks. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Me more so. we, we, we had, like, in hindsight, we, we had it coming. Um, but, like, they were they always took the music seriously. And I can see this as the extreme, extreme, extreme version of that. So it's not it's nothing cartoonish for you then. It's it's just something taken to the nth degree then. Like Yeah, it's just it's just so like I can see why people would say it's cartoonish because um I can see why people would say that, but for me it's mm-hmm. not. Like I can see how it like having the experiences that I have and being in going to these jazz competitions because we never really went to jazz competitions with our band. Yeah. But when with my uncle teaching, I had the opportunity to go to a few of them when I was in high school. So we went mm-hmm. to ones in uh, the area where he teaches, and then uh, Nat, the the there was a big one in uh, Boston that we they went to every year. I got to go to that. Uh, mm-hmm. So being around these bands that are very competitive and um, like so. Um, precise, I think is the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for. Like, I, I buy it. Like, I've been in that world enough that this movie makes complete sense to me. Well, so then, Ryan, have you ever been in a situation where, I mean, maybe it's not music. Maybe it's, you know, you're, you did archery, right? Or you did... You uh, did rifle. Rifle, right. Uh, like, did any of your teachers, any of your coaches, were they ever, like, anywhere similar to this? No, because the team I was on at the school that I was on, we sucked. So we oh. had like the most <laughs> laid back coach. But okay, so for people that might be shocked, like high school rifle. Yes, the high school that I went to, uh, I graduated 2005, 2000, supposed to graduate. Anyway, long story. 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, we were township kids. We were city kids. And the yeah. only schools that still had rifle teams in the area were all in the Poconos. So we're dealing with kids who are in NRA actual, you know, youth leagues and shoot at 100 yards when we were shooting at 50. So we got our butts kicked every single weekend. Um, But I know from those other teams, yeah, I saw a rifle coach literally ring out a kid because he didn't shoot a 10 spot on 10 straight targets like he was supposed to. He shot two 10 spots and a nine meaning he got nine bullseyes out of t- 10 and that 10th was measured by like a little pin you put into the paper to see where like you know like what lines it breaks uh-huh. and he got ringed i overheard it and it sounded kind of like this without the expletives wow. <laughs> so i do know that these people are out there and they do mm-hmm. exist well, and so the more I think about this movie, because this is one of those movies that, like, I watched and it got under my skin for a bit because there's a couple parts of it that, like, especially get me, right? One of the parts that got me the most and got me thinking about it is I'm not entirely sure that the movie is about jazz. I think jazz is the vehicle through which you're seeing some of the big motives from the characters. But I think one of the things that it's trying to show is what singular obsession could lead to. And I think that both J.K. Simmons and, oh my goodness, I can't remember his name. Miles Teller. Miles Teller's character both show what singular obsession could lead to kind of on on each end of the spectrum. And one of the scenes that stuck out to me, I think, the most with that was when uh, Miles Teller's character broke up with, I think her name's Nicole, I think it's her character name, broke up with his girlfriend. Literally, like because eventually he'll need to take time away from his drumming uh, or take time from her like to do his drumming and then she'll get resentful and like he needs to be solely focused on drumming so he can't like that's crazy to me and i don't i struggle with how the movie frames it like is the movie framing 
do you guys think his singular obsession with drumming as something that should be emulated? Or is it just saying, wow, look at how far he's taking it, and it ends well because it's a movie and has to, but you're supposed to be as shocked as I was when he broke up with his girlfriend for almost no reason? See, to me, that didn't really affect me that much. Okay. Um, because I feel like people would bet... Like, this kid knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he needed to dedicate 100% of his time out of class to practicing for this jazz band. Mm-hmm. And he was doing this in the goal of becoming one of the greatest jazz drummers of all time. So he had the forethought of, you know, I don't really want to deny this girl the possibility of having a real loving relationship that she's going to enjoy. She's not going to get that with me. So I need to break this off now. He made that choice and he went with it because I there's athletes that are pro athletes that have done stuff like this. Really? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. So, I don't, I don't think any like everything he does in this movie is selfish. Like it, it's to pursue this, this dream that has like such a small chance of happening, and I don't think this movie has a happy ending. Don't you? Like, no, it's not a happy ending. He's given himself over completely to this dream. Like he doesn't even want, at the end of the movie, he turns away from his father and goes back to the drums and is like, no, watch what I can do. And like gives it everything and just surrenders himself. Um, like it's not a happy ending. Like that's why this movie has stuck with me for so long. It's, it's not a happy ending. He gives over to the obsession and like him breaking up with his girlfriend like is such a selfish act. And I think when he calls her later on, yeah, like you, if you want, if you don't feel bad, if you want the, like when he says like, I want this to end, I want to end this now. So you don't get hurt later. Like he, he doesn't care if she gets hurt or not. He just, he wants the, he wants the drum. He doesn't care about her at all. Right. Uh, and then when he gives up drumming for the, a minute and tries to go back with her and she's with somebody else. He's like, oh, well, then I guess I'm going to go back into drumming. At least try it. And then gets pushed in even more. It's like an addiction to him. Right. Uh, I, I think the ending of this movie is just tragic. Like, I I don't I don't like anyone in this movie at all. There's <laughs> no one in this film that I like. I don't like Miles Teller. I don't like um, the... the uh, J.K. Simmons' teacher Fletcher is is a dick. Melissa Benoist is is fine, but she's fine. they don't really give her much to do besides serve popcorn. Uh, and then Paul Reiser, like it's bad enough that you're putting raisinets in popcorn, but <laughs> like he he's so like like he's so two faced because he he's like trying to encourage his son to like in his music, but at the same time, like making underhanded comic comments at the dinner table about yeah. his, his education in the, in pursuing music that it's like, which, which one do you want? You can't do both. And I just like, I didn't like anyone in this movie. Like the only one that I, like you, the only one I can really get behind is Fletcher because at the end of the day, he just he's trying to get the best out of his students. I don't agree with his methods, but he's just <laughs> trying to get his the best performances out of his students. Like he his his motivation is there, but the way he goes about it and like his selfishness, like my band, my way, like I don't like I don't I don't like that. But um yeah, I don't like anyone in this movie. So when it comes to that aspect of things, you know, mm-hmm. the the selfishness of it, the reason why I didn't have this the same reaction that Alan did um, is because I had to come as a sports fan, the way that I am, I had to come to a realization at one point in that I want 
the most cockiest SOB players on the teams I root for because those are the ones who at the end of the day are going to get it done. Mm -hmm. And when you go into any type of profession where it's not academic, well, even uh, some some academic fields, you have to, but Mm -hmm. majority of it, it's all arts and physical. These people who are the best in the world at what they do have horrible private lives. Hmm. I didn't know that. I mean, when it comes to, like, some of them come from good families. Some of Mm -hmm. them come from families like he did, where Mm -hmm. they don't really see his accomplishments on the same level as those two others. With the, you know, athletic and and the academic. In fact, I love the one line where he was like, it's division three football. The the NFL (laughs) is not going to come calling. Like it's one of those things where it's like, you've got these two kids who are yes, good at what they're doing, but they're not world-class where you have another kid at the table who is world-class and they're overshadowing his accomplishments as just, Oh, you're drumming. Right. You're just I was getting mad for him. I was getting <laughs> mad for him. Like you got to be kidding me. Like he is sacrificing his hands. He is sacrificing his romantic lives, his romantic life in pursuit for what he wants. Which to me, it is a tragedy at the at the end of this. But there's a part of me that can't help but feel like he he did it. He finally got to the point where he's showing what he can do to where he can might become one of the best in the world and so it's one of those things where it's like good he got his dream he completely killed the rest of his life but he got his dream (laughs) (laughs) oh i i think the film implies that the um the the path he started himself on doesn't end well because of the other student like i I, I get what you're saying with he, he sacrificed his relationship. He sacrificed, yeah. like, but at the same time, like, I I don't buy that it was a hard choice for him. Like, I think he just, he wanted what he wanted. And I don't really know if I consider that a sacrifice. Like, giving up a relationship so you can just do drums. Like, I, I feel like if there, if it were to be an actual sacrifice for me, he'd have to be actually more emotionally invested in, in anything outside of the drumming. And I just don't see that for him at all. Well, and I'd say part of it is is his performance in it. Because he, like, when he has to make an emotional choice about anything, he is so almost robotic about it. And that's such yeah. an interesting choice to make. Like, he could have been sobbing, trying to break up with his girlfriend. But instead, he almost isn't even looking at her. He's almost looking past her, saying these words that you know he's re- Yeah. Yeah. I think. Would you say he's a sociopath? You know, I I didn't maybe. But honestly maybe. I mean, f- for him to have the ob- obsessiveness that he has and for him to literally drum until his hands split apart. I mean, that was a lot of blood. I yeah. mean, I know that that's for show, but I mean, like him practicing and the amount of blood on the drums and everything from him just doing the rhythm over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. There's a compulsive issue there. And yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And he could also have a number of other issues wrong with him for have him to be as robotic as he was, too. Um, when it came to have, you know, just just to have a singular focus on it. I mean, even asking out his, you know, one week span girlfriend, he was very robotic about that, too. Like, he was yeah. just like, I need to do this to get to my goal. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I've met people in college like that. And I mean, that have that, that kind of ego on them where they're like, OK, I'm going like I know for a fact that I'm going to contribute to, I don't know, the the world of physics. Right. I know I'll be a famous businesses someday. This is just my stepping stone to get to that. And they're not famous physicists today. And I mean, maybe it's a little bit of schadenfreude, but when somebody comes at me with that kind of stuff, I'm like, no, you're not. And I hope you don't. Like, and, <laughs> and maybe it's jealousy on my end because I'll never be the best anything at anything. But like, 
I don't know. It's, oh, I hate when people are like that. I mean, I went to film school. You know how many people I I went to school with who are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go win an Oscar. Um, now they live in Allentown in a, in a uh, retirement village. Say, like, dang it, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Friend well, of the show, what, Chad. I had, um, but at, at the same time, like I said before about, you know, athletes, you don't get to that level without mm-hmm. that attitude. Right. And it's when you start getting up into like, you, you go to college and then there's postgraduate and then you've got your, you know, master's and doctorate or whatever else you need to do in your field to become the best of the best. Mm-hmm. It all begins with that attitude and you need it. And that's why I said before, like, does what would it bother me if every single player on the St. Louis Cardinals was a complete D-bag? No. If they win a World Series, <laughs> no. They it doesn't can, matter. It, does, it doesn't matter to me because I know that those attitudes occasionally go with the greatness. And that's – but now, now the thing is when it comes to this movie and that teaching method, mm-hmm. that's a whole different bag of worms. <laughs> Well, I, well, no, well, no, like what you're saying, like, yes, I get yeah. that. Like, you do have to yeah. have a certain mindset to reach a certain point in whatever chosen chosen field you go in, whether it's music mm-hmm. or sports. Yeah. I think my thing is I don't want to watch a whole two hour movie about a guy who has that mindset and doesn't evolve at all. Like there, <laughs> he doesn't change. Like his viewpoint doesn't change at all. The only thing that changes for him is is he goes from having relationships outside of music to not having those. And to me, like, that's just horrible. That's like if if I only did the podcast and did nothing else. Well, for you, that's the tragedy of the movie. Is like, at yeah. the end, he gets the, he gets the spotlight that he wants. He gets his time to be the world's best drummer that he wants. But at what cost? Yeah. Like, all of those, like, real costs in it. And I think that's interesting. That's actually something I thought when the movie ended. I was just like, like I was thinking about it. And I'm like, well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, right. But really, because, though, I mean, because was it? Uh, even during dinner, I think his mom or stepmom or somebody says, "Do you really want to end up like him, drunk, alone, and on heroin or something like that?" And he said, "Yes, I do. If it yeah. means being this, and that's what he did. That's exactly." what he wants he wants to be the best no matter what no matter what it costs yeah. him and it's going to end up costing him his life it like, is going to end mm-hmm. up yeah yeah he's going to get a splinter it's going to get infected he's not going to go to the hospital because he thinks he needs to practice and before you know it he's going to lose his hand he's going to lose his hand and then he's and then he's going to do something awful because he can't drum and then he's going to wind up being another speech in some other jazz room you absolutely thought about this. That makes I, me incredibly happy. I just said that just right now. I just, well, <laughs> well, there, there is another part of the ending of this that I don't think we really touched on. And there's that moment where Fletcher looks at him and smiles. Like there is a Thank moment. Thank you. Of, okay. Yes. Yeah. There is a moment of recognition there where he at least acknowledges that he's impressed. Mm-hmm. which I don't think you really see throughout the rest of the, like anything before that. So part of me wonders if going forward that their mentor mentee relationship continues, but the dynamics changed a bit. I oh, think, I, I think hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think it changed. They definitely become, I wouldn't say friends, but I would definitely say that, he turns into what Fetcher wants him to be, which is the next great or, you know, like in that realm. Um, And so it's more like there's, you know, it's still, you know, teacher student, but it's more at a peer level than it was before. Or he becomes like more of his manager type is is almost what I see. He's like, yeah, he's not necessarily teaching him. He's more like, okay, great, we know we have this great drummer, this great musician, What? where can I get him with my contacts? Yeah, um, 
I that's just like I like rock music and it kind of hurt me a little bit when I saw that quote on the wall that's you, you know like if you don't make it you'll end up being a drummer in a rock band that kind of made me hurt a little <laughs> yeah. bit because I know some great drummers who you know who have played rock music but this is jazz we're talking about and that's on a different level so um <laughs> yeah. but it's one of those things where like that last solo he did I'm listening to it and I'm like Travis Barker can probably do this, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Travis, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, holy cow, that was good. <laughs> so while we're talking about Fletcher and while we're talking about the last the last scene, I wanted to get your guys' read on something. And this is something that I am struggling with with this movie just personally. So the last scene, he he does what he does. He does the great drum solo. There's that look that Fletcher gives him of like, yeah. And then there's that look that um that miles teller has where he's like i'm happy now is the movie excusing jk simmons being a terrible terrible person and saying you know look we understand that his methods were terrible we understand that somebody you know committed suicide because of it we understand that these are you know really bad methods but it worked and is it giving jk simmons a pass it worked once right yeah, because he even said himself that nope. Ah, sorry, I just had a kitten try to jump in my lap. A cat just threw a chair at you. Uh, no, I th- I think it's just saying that it worked once with uh, with him, and that's it. Um, because it, yeah, Ryan. So it's not saying? like an ends justify the means thing at the end at all, like. I mean, a, a a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. So, my, I said before that this extreme teaching that they show in this that he does, mm-hmm. um, there are some people out there that this works on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people it doesn't. And Fetcher even said that he hasn't come across any greats yet. And Mm -hmm. that he pushes the way he does because he wants to get, you know, that greatness out of his students, which in one hand kind of makes sense because we're talking about a jazz band at the best, supposedly the best music school in the country that this Mm -hmm. is supposed to be set at. So I get where he's coming from, but he's using a net, the teaching method. Let's take the Mm -hmm. teaching method is a net. He's using Mm -hmm. a net that's only big enough to catch like, one specific type of fish right and that's it and all of the other fish in the ocean that might be greats too are swimming either right through it or swimming around it and he's hoping to get one fish out of a billion and that's what he did it's the he ran into one student that worked with that teaching method because he was as obsessive as he was because that's something that i realized uh uh throughout this movie oh yeah is that after the car accident and that whole mm-hmm. fiasco, I was thinking to myself, he's turning into Fetcher. He's oh, yeah. turning into Fetcher. But at the same time, he was Fetcher to begin with. Because yeah, it, it's, if it's dealing with Fetcher... obsession. Yeah, because if dealing with Fetcher brought that out in him, it meant that it was already there to begin with. So that's why it worked, because they were the same people. They were just at two different ends of the spectrum. I was halfway expecting this to be a time travel movie, and he was going to, like, revert himself. You know, like a Rick and Morty thing. (laughs) I'll give it to Fletcher, though. Like, his manipulation of his students is almost... It's pretty much genius. Like, that moment where he, like, stops in the hallway, like, just have fun, and, like, gets to know him for a little bit. And then uses everything he learned in that conversation to attack him and belittle him. It's like, mm-hmm. damn, that's some good oh. psychological warfare. It's practiced. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, it's it's terrible. Well, that, and he told him exactly what he was going to do because he told him the story about the drummer getting the cymbal thrown at his head. And that's pretty much what he did with a chair. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think what scares me the most about it is knowing that, that Yes, this is taken to an extreme. There's probably real people in the world that are like Fletcher, though. Oh, I guarantee it. And those people are probably sitting there going, well, I'll catch my fish. I'll catch my fish. I'll catch my fish. These other people aren't worth it in my eyes. 
And like in catching that one fish, how much damage did he actually do? And I do love the movie for showing that he is actually hurting himself trying to do this and other people. It's like yeah. going to the fish hatchery with a grenade, throwing it in, and then getting one fish. <laughs> right, <laughs> getting one. You're like, I yeah. got my fish. Yeah. Um, and then you've got every other fish is floating belly up. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anything else on Whiplash before we... I've got some lighter stuff to talk about. I, I'm pumped for the lighter stuff. I mean, really, that was all I wanted to talk about was I wanted to talk about the ending and the teaching methods. That okay. really got me, and I wanted to know. Okay. All right. So, Ryan? Well, I just wanted to say that one of, one of, one of the reasons why I was kind of like, oh, this is interesting, mm-hmm. and I love the movie for the fact that it shows obsession. Like, this movie yeah. uses jazz to show what an obsession is, like what Alan was saying when we mm-hmm. started. Um I knew about this type of leadership slash teaching method mm-hmm. when I was a kid. There was a guy, I don't care, I don't I don't know his name, so <laughs> I don't really care about talking, so I don't have any issues talking about this. My dad ran x-ray departments at hospitals mm-hmm. for a while, and he had a, a um, somebody that would do night shift when he wasn't at the hospital. That was at his same level, his mm-hmm. same management level. Um, but what he would do, what he thought was the correct way to make uh, um, people working their best all the time, is he would randomly, once a month, pick one person who was walking down the um, hallway and pretty much berate them for about five minutes in front of everybody Ooh. else about how horrible of a job they were doing, mistakes that they've done that month, and he would just tear them down to where they Ooh. were crying. Um, my dad was on the other end of the spectrum. My dad, when somebody was having a birthday, would go and get like the sparkling apple cider bottles that uh, look like champagne, and, he, yeah. and he'd bring them in. He'd buy like a case and bring them in, and the whole department would have like, you know, apple cider champagne at their desks um so there were two different sides of a coin when it came to you know like that that you know type of a thing and the productivity there was no difference between the 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 work productivity between my dad's crew and his crew and i know this because my dad was talking about it one night because he had his review and they brought this up and they were like, well, we're not going to do anything about what he's doing because his people are working just as good as yours. So why should we say anything about it? Wow. So w- when I saw this, I was like, oh, Fetcher's that guy my dad worked with for a while. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> it, it's just a type of management style and a type of, I, I mean, manipulation, essentially, that I just I don't love. I just no. don't love. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right, now on to the lighter stuff. Yes. Um, so this film was nominated for five Oscars and won three. Can you guys guess wow. which three it won? Uh, most mo- uh, most profanity. That's not an Oscar. <laughs> it should be. It should. Be. My guess is supporting actor of some sort because J.K. Simmons had yes. to have won something. For J.K. This. Simmons won for uh, supporting act actor in a supporting role. And okay. I remember watching the Oscars the year he won this because Neil Patrick Harris was hosting. <gasps> oh, and yeah. So J.K. Simmons won, and then it cuts to Neil Patrick Harris like do, introducing the next presenter. And Neil Patrick oh. Harris is on stage in the 60s. He, like, he won an Oscar. Bum, ba dum bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Those commercials are that old. Yeah. Wow. Oh, um, man. And also won for... Uh, achievement in film editing, achievement in mm. sound mixing, was nominated for uh, best motion picture of the year and adapted screenplay, because this is based on a short film, also starring J.K. Simmons as Fletcher. <laughs> What's the short film called? Whiplash. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, Damien Chazelle made Whiplash a short film. And then use that to get funding to make a feature film. Like he always wanted to do the feature, but he was able to get money to do a short film and then make the feature later on. Well, found the short film. Guess what I'm watching after this podcast. <laughs> I was going to try to watch it for this. I just never had a chance to. 
Um, so in other lighter news, if you head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, we have, what is it? Five memes from this Something movie that like we that, made. Yeah. Um, from the different JK Simmons quotes that all kind of work with that picture. Yeah. Um, my favorite being the yellow M&M, because I don't know if you guys know this. JK Simmons is the voice of the yellow M&M. I, I genuinely didn't know that. Yeah. He has been <laughs> since the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> him and Billy West. That's why that's why the one is a no, this is an envelope. Like that's where I was I wondering what that was. That's uh the yellow M and M from that commercial that you see in front of the movies all the time. I love like, that. For the last fifteen years. Uh so you can head over to our Facebook and Instagram to check those out. Um I had a lot of fun making those last night as I was watching the movie. <laughs> oh good. That probably made it so much lighter. Um but other than that, I don't really think I have anything else for Whiplash. No, I'm good. Uh, we have an exciting show next week. Um, yes, we do. Because I've never seen the um, the Adams Family movies, like any of them. Uh, so we're going to go through and visit the live action Adams Family movies from the 90s. So the Adams Family and the Adams Fam- Family Values. Yep. Um. In honor of the Adams Family 2, the animated sequel coming to theaters next week. Um, and then after that, uh, Devin will be off for his wedding. But Ryan and I, and maybe a guest, I'm not sure yet, uh, will be talking about Venom, Let There Be Carnage the oh. following week. So, Good luck, guys. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm going to see it twice. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm. I'm telling you right now. I'm not expecting anything from this movie. So I, I'm probably not going to be disappointed. <laughs> I'm not either. But I'm. I'm excited. I, I'm excited for the Adams family though too. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. But it's going to be a good time. Um, so until next time, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Uh, if you're watching us here on Twitch, hit that follow button. Um, and stay tuned tonight on Twitch because I think we're going to be hosting Victims and Villains because they're going live in about an hour to talk about My Girl, uh, Ryan, one of Ryan's favorite movies to make memes about. Um, I've never hash- seen it, so the memes don't make any sense to me. Oh. Hash- hashtag B-movie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Have you oh. seen B-movie? No, I haven't even seen B-movie. Oh, man. I think I think we missed the internet's craze on B movie. I don't think we need to worry about B movie anymore. No, 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 no. We don't. We don't. Um, I, I think all Devin needs to do is watch that YouTube video where it's B movie, but it's sped up twice every time the word B is mentioned. It's, yeah, I'm, it's I'm Jer- sure I'll get the plot. It's Jerry Seinfeld as a B. I'm a B. Um, yeah. that, that's that's the movie. That's pretty. That's pretty much what it is. Anyway, In court, nonetheless. Anyway, you can watch us, you can listen to us on all major podcasting platforms. And until next time for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And again, not my tempo, guys. We gotta take it from the top. <laughs>